I got to tell you, I, I thought we'd be wrapping up our series today. I thought we were going to be wrapping up our series, God, What Is Going On? But Wednesday night, as I was kind of sitting on the couch, kind of half dozing off late at night, it felt like God just kind of tapped me on the shoulder, so to speak, and said, no, we're going to go in a different direction this week. And so I was up till about four in the morning, just, and God felt like he was just downloading things into my heart. And I got a solid two hours of sleep after that, and I woke up at six. And again, it just felt like God was downloading more into my heart again. And so today I want to share some of this and it kind of feels like a burning message God's placed in me. You know, in Jeremiah, even though we're not finishing up that series today, Jeremiah made this statement about this word that God had given him. He says in Jeremiah 20 verse nine, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. And I kind of have felt that, man. I feel like there's this fire, like I have got to get this thing out because I believe it's so important for this hour. And like I said, this isn't really what I imagined today to be, but here's what I know. I know that our nation is hurting and there are many of you that are hurting and there is anger and there's confusion and there's violence and there's all kinds of things happening. And so I believe today that God wants to really speak to us in a powerful way. And I believe he wants to bring healing to us, but I also believe he wants to make us a people who bring healing to others. And I want to just let you guys know something. I'm going to fall short in what I try to do today. I'm going to fall short in what I try to accomplish today. I wish I could communicate this message and what I think God's heart is to bring healing to our nation in a better way than I will, but I'm going to do my best with God's help and strength. And so let's talk about a couple of things that I truly believe are just standing in the way of God bringing great healing in our nation right now. One of the things I think that's kind of standing in the way that we need to change is I think a lot of us kind of put Jesus in the back seat and we grabbed our anger and our hurt and frustration and we put it in the front seat and we buckled it in and we said, let's go drive off and let's kick some butt, so to speak, right? The problem is now Jesus is in the back seat. And what we've done now without even realizing it is we have allowed ourselves now to be characterized and defined by a category, now, the loudest thing about us is a category. What do I mean by that? Well, here's the thing. What's going on in our nation right now is we're defining ourselves by these categories. So either you're black or you're white or you're Latino or you're Hispanic or you're Asian. You're, you're either Democrat or Republican. You're either a civilian or a cop. And right now, those are the loudest things about all of us. And we're allowing these things to define us. They they. They determine how we act and how we treat people and, and how we yell at people uh, in person or social media. They're impacting everything we're doing, these categories that we're allowing ourselves to be defined by. Another thing I, I see happening right now is I have conversations with lots of people is a lot of people are just saying, I don't know what to feel right now. I don't know what to do right now. I don't know how to respond right now. And I think because such horrible things have happened, it goes back to these categories. Let's just talk about some of the horrible things for just a minute. So George Floyd was murdered horribly, right? An officer named Derek Chauvin held his knee on George's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Tragedy. And since then, there's been countless other deaths one of them, an officer named David Dorn, a retired police officer from St. Louis. And I think what happens here is we struggle with this, right? Because remember the categories I brought up a minute ago? Well, we're kind of all defined by those things. But then we look at George Floyd and we go, wait, wait, 
that, that angers me. Is it okay that that angers me? And, and we go, yeah, yeah, this breaks God's heart. It has to anger us. And so, so maybe we're looking across our category right now, but, but we're, we're confused. Is that all right? You know? And then some of us look at David Dorn and, and we think the same thing, but, but that angers me too, but he's in like a different category. And is it all right that I'm angered by that as well? Well, that broke God's heart too. And so, yeah, it's okay that we're angered by that and that we're broken over these things. But this is why I think we're confused and we don't know what to feel or do because we keep on looking back to our category. We keep on looking to where we think we're supposed to be and, and how, how we're supposed to respond. God forbid something happen to somebody in the other category or maybe even a category that historically we were supposed to be against, right? And so we find ourselves incredibly confused and then we start arguing, right? And we start fighting and we start proving our point. And I think this is a truth I hope sinks deep in you and me and it convicts us. I think often we'd rather be right than repentant. We would rather be right. We'd rather make our point than be repentant. Remember in Jeremiah, we saw this theme of repentance coming up. This idea that we would turn, to turn from something. And often we'd rather be right instead of turning from that thing we need to change. And I'll just be real with you. In my life, there are plenty of times I'd rather be right than repentant. I'd rather be right and make my point and be just validated in some way than to actually look at sin in my own heart and say, this needs to change. Is that you today? Because I, I think that's probably a lot of us. And when we do that, we remain defined by our category. I'm going to be right. This is my category. I'm going to fight for my category. I'm going to be right in it. I bet there are some things in all of our hearts today that we need to be repentant of. We need to turn from racism and prejudice and hate and anger and vengeance, right? I think there are things in all of our hearts that we need to turn from today. A wrong way of thinking Something that we've just allowed to remain in our lives maybe too long. And these things keep us defined by our categories. You're either this or you're that. And so you have to think this way or that way. You have to act this way or that way. And you can't go ahead over and cross categories, right? But here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. This is what I love about him. He changes all that. Jesus gives us a third option. Right? It's this whole other thing. See, Jesus was doing this in, in so many of his interactions throughout the scripture. As you read the Bible, you see Jesus often, people coming up to him going, hey, are you for this or for that? Are you in this category or that category? And Jesus blew all their minds. He goes, I'm gonna blow up the categories right now and I'm gonna bring in this third option and it's called my kingdom. And right there, that's the answer. That's what we have to discover here today. If there's any hope for our nation I want to tell you some things about George Floyd and David Dorn for a minute because I think everybody's put them in a category, right? You've got the civilian and you've got the cop. I want to tell you a couple of things that bring them together. A few things. First off, they're both black men that should be alive today, right? Another thing that brings these guys together, they were both callously murdered. Another thing that brings these guys together, they were made in God's image. Another thing that, thing that brings these guys together, Jesus died for them to make them his own. I want to tell you something. Jesus didn't just die to make these men his own. He died to make you and I his own. And that matters in this conversation today. Well, how, Doug? Why would that matter? Because when you realize who you belong to, it changes how you act and it becomes the loudest thing about you, this Jesus stuff has to become the loudest thing about us. Instead of our category, suddenly something else is defining us and giving us an identity and it transforms us. And that is the hope of our nation right now, I'm telling you. 
And so we're going to look at how this plays out. If you're not a follower of Jesus, thank you for being with us in a challenging time, a challenging topic, but you're going to hear some good news today. Look at what it says in Galatians 3.26. Paul wrote this. He says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. So Jesus is looking at you and I going, I want you to be, ready, mine. That's what I want to define you. Not the category of black and white and cop and civilian. No, I want you to be mine. And Jesus is saying, I gave my life for this, right? To make you my child. And then look at this just in in verse 28, two verses later. Jesus busts up all the categories, or Paul does here. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ. Jesus just destroyed the categories. He just blew them all up. And these were the huge categories of the day. It was huge to be Jewish or Gentile. And these guys hated each other. They were on opposite sides of everything. And so they were either in the one category or the other. And Jesus just says, hey, hey, when, this, when I introduce myself, Paul says, when you come to Jesus, when you come to him, there is no category that supersedes the category of being a child of God. Now here's the thing. Distinctions still exist. This is important for us, okay? When, when, when Paul says this, he's not saying, okay, um, you are no longer Jewish. You have no Jewish heritage anymore. No, that's not what he's saying. Those people still had a Jew, Jewish heritage. He's, he's not saying uh, there is no male and female anymore in, in the fact that there's not a person who is now male and female and suddenly we are just all this one. No, those distinctions still exist. What's Jesus doing then? He's saying this idea that you are my child, that you're mine, is now what's going to define you above all other distinctions. Above all other categories, every other thing that is still true of you, there is now this higher thing going on and it's called my kingdom. It's called my presence in your life. It's called you now belong to me. This is your identity and it changes everything. So this is how this works for you and I today. Jesus doesn't ultimately want you and I to be defined by the color of our skin. The color of our skin is to be celebrated. But Jesus doesn't want you to be defined by black or white. They're they're both amazing. God's design is that you and I have this color skin. It's a beautiful thing. But Jesus is saying, I want to give you a greater identity than just that. Your identity is not if you are Latino or Hispanic or Asian, right? Again, beautiful heritages to be celebrated, not to be removed or taken away, but instead to just look higher than those things and say there's something bigger that's bringing me together that's gonna impact me, a Republican or Democrat. You went out and you found yourself a political party. Great job, everybody. I'm so proud of you. There's something bigger, more important than that. You can still be those things. That's okay. But God is now saying everybody wants you to be defined, black, White, Hispanic, Latino, Asian, cop, civilian, Republican, Democrat. I want you to be mine. And when you're mine, watch how you will act differently. Watch how you will be a person who is healed and brings healing. Paul helps us blow up the categories. You see, Paul here is calling us to what Jesus would say is this idea of loving and forgiving and treating others better than ourselves. Do you guys realize that both George Floyd and David Dorn would be alive today if we treated one another better than ourselves? If we look to a higher identity, if we recognize a child of God lives in a different way and brings healing to the world. This is how you and I 
move forward. What defines you? Your identity, that you're a child of God. So then great, how do I respond to this now, to this greater identity? Well, Jesus once told a story in Luke chapter 10 and someone had approached him. He was an expert in the law and he said, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And they had a conversation for a while. Then eventually Jesus says, well, what does the law say? And the man says, I got to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And big one, I've got to love my neighbor as myself. And then this guy was kind of a wise guy, was trying to trap Jesus. And he said, Jesus, who is my neighbor? He's trying to trap Jesus here because the guy's thinking, well, if my neighbor is my friend, then that's easy. I can love my friend. So who's my neighbor, Jesus? What, 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 is, he, is he just like me? Is he just the Jew? Is he just someone that I'm comfortable with? And then it says this in Luke 10. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now here's the deal. Many of us know this story like the back of our hand. Don't let that diminish don't lose the significance of it today for this conversation. Some of you guys are hearing for this for the first time. Don't let, lose the significance of this. In verse 31, it says this, a priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Why? Because this guy, beaten up and bleeding, wasn't in his category, right? The man bleeding on the ground would have been unclean and had the priest knelt down and helped this man, he would have be also become unclean unclean. And so he walked past him because of his category. Can I ask you a question? How many times have you and I passed somebody by because of their category? Whether they were or weren't our skin color, whether they were or weren't our political leaning, whether they were or weren't wearing a badge, how many times have we passed by the person from the other category? It goes on. Jesus says, so too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. He avoided the inconvenience. He let the categories remain unmoved. This has been you and I for far too long, no? Walking by, seeing need, seeing brokenness, seeing the possibility for relationship, seeing the possibility for the church to be more beautiful in, in its diversity, right? But we walk by. Verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. Guys, listen to me. The Samaritan was one category. And the people listening to Jesus' story were Jewish, which meant they were probably imagining the person who had been beaten to also be Jewish. And so the Samaritan's one category. The Jew is in a different category. And these people hated one another. There are several examples of, of how we know this is true. The Jews had a nickname for, for the Samaritans. They called them half-breeds. They hated the history of the Samaritan because they saw them as intermarrying and becoming these half-breeds of what should have been pure Jewish people. The Pharisees would actually pray. Can you imagine this? They would pray to God, oh God, let no Samaritan be raised in the resurrection. Can you imagine praying that about somebody? Oh God, I just pray that that guy over there, that when you come back or when you return or when you bring us to heaven, that, that yeah, don't let that guy come, right? The, the Jews would actually call Jesus a Samaritan to insult him. And so when Jesus brought up the Samaritan as the hero, the Jews would have groaned. Like for all my New York sports fans, this would have been like saying Tom Brady was the hero of the story, right? Or Bryce Harper or Altuve, right? Oh yeah, he's the hero of the story. For all my music fans, this would have been like naming the hero of the story any country artist, okay? I'll tell you, Jesus is saying, 
This is who your neighbor is, the person least like you, the person in the other category, the person maybe you are even inclined to hate. Maybe you've been told to hate. Maybe you have hated. This is your neighbor. And Jesus supersedes the categories. He says, there's this third option, the kingdom option. And so Jesus continues the story. The Samaritan helps him and gets him a place to stay and gives all this money to care for the man's needs. And then it goes on in Luke 10, 36. Jesus says, which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, ready? Go and do Likewise, go and do likewise. Can you imagine church? If we became a bunch of people who went and did likewise, saw a calling higher than our category, saw a people beyond their category, got outside of our own category and recognized that's not my identity. There's a higher identity here, child of God. That's who I am, I'm his. And because I'm his, I'm gonna live in a different way. Can I tell you something today? Here's what I hope you get. I'm gonna give it to you in two forms. This is the bottom line in a short fragmented form. And I'm gonna give you a longer one, but here is what it is. Your identity supersedes your category. Your identity supersedes your category. I'm gonna read it out a little longer. Your identity as a child of God supersedes every category you've been placed in. That's the the full truth that we're tackling here today. Your identity as a child of God supersedes every category you've ever been placed in. Instead, he wants you to say, here's my category now. I'm his, I'm his. And because I'm his, I'm gonna live differently. God looks at you and I and says, He's mine. She's mine. They are purchased in my blood. They are rescued. They are redeemed. I've risen back from the dead to make them my child. And that supersedes skin color and political leaning and career choice. It's everything. It's everything. It's got to become what you and I are looking at as the litmus for how we're treating and interacting with everybody. It's how our nation will find healing. So I want to get really practical here with you because I think so often what is said is, well, they're white or black or Latino or Hispanic or Asian. They're Democrat, Republican, they're cop, they're civilian. So here's how they're expected to act. And God says, oh, no, 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 no. You might be one of those things, but here is how my kids act. And this is where, church, we've got to repent and we've got to change and we've got to turn. I think we've allowed things to happen for far too long on our watch. And I think it's time to change. And so this is how we do things. I'm going to give you five things. If you want to take some notes, write these down. Five things. This is what God's kids do. People with his identity, they lead with love. They lead with love. You and I so often lead with anger. We lead with wanting to be right. We lead with all sorts of hate in our heart. No, no, no. We, as God's kids, lead with love. We serve and we honor and ready. We believe the best about the other person, even in the other category, right? Because now we're not looking just at categories. Now, no, we're looking at this whole identity. God's given us this third option, the kingdom of God. Here's what we have to do under this if we're gonna love well. We've got to talk with people who are not from the category we once found ourselves in and most comfortable with, right? I have absolutely no idea what it's like to walk around 
with black skin. I have absolutely no idea what it's like to wake up and kiss my wife and kids goodbye as an officer and go out and be ready to protect and serve. I have no idea. So what does that mean I have to do? If I'm going to lead with love, I have got to talk with people who do these things and have brown skin and, and are Latino and are Hispanic. And I've got to figure out how to love and discover and learn and understand things about them and see through their eyes and their lens and their perspective. And now suddenly I'm leading with love. I'm believing the best. There's something in me that understands what they're going through. I think that's going to be huge for us, church. We've got to listen. We've got to invest time with people from the other categories and say, there's a greater identity we have now. Let's figure this out together. Let's talk. Let's hang out. Let's spend time together. So we lead with love. What else do we do? We repent. Guys, there is racism in us. There is prejudice in us. And we turn from those things. We have to repent from those things. If we're afraid when a person that is black or white, somebody who's Latino or Asian walks down the street, we, we turn from that. We, we're not just okay with it anymore, right? We, we turn from that, right? We, we repent. We, we have to turn from this idea that because all cops, that, that all cops are evil because some are, because some are unfortunately, Right? But but we have to turn from that and recognize, wait, no, that's not truth. That's not truth. There are some, just like there are evil pastors and there are evil plumbers and there are evil people, all in every profession you'll find. No, we turn from that notion that all cops are evil because some cops are evil, right? We turn from this idea that we're just going to sit back and allow racism to remain. I tell you, I got um, called out in the past week or so by a few people, some in person and some online. And the general consensus was that I haven't been bold enough and quick enough to take a stand as a leader and as a follower of Jesus when it comes to the things that have been happening in our nation. And you know, I think they're right. And maybe not everything they said was right. And some of them didn't say it in the nicest way, but I think they're right. And I got to own that. And I got to turn from that. And I got to repent of that. And I got to change, right? I've got to change. I've got to course correct. I've got to learn. And, and, and you have to learn. We've got to repent. And so we leave with love and we repent. Number three, we ask forgiveness. We ask forgiveness. This is one we all want to skip. I'm all right. I'll, I'll turn, man. I'll change. That's okay. And I'll do my best to leave with love. But I don't have to say I'm sorry for stuff I did already, right? Oh, yeah. We have to ask forgiveness. We have to say, I, I did not see through your lens clearly. And I'm sorry. I was over there stuck in my category and all I could see was how much people in my category hate people in your category. And I'm so sorry. That was so unchristlike of me. Forgive me. Forgive me for the time I said. For the, forgive me for the time I did. Forgive me for the time I didn't say and didn't do. God's kids ask forgiveness. You know what else we do? We, number four, we extend forgiveness. Does somebody lash out at us? God's kids forgive. Did somebody make us look dumb on social media? We forgive. Did somebody treat us badly because of the color of our skin or we're wearing a badge? God, God's kids forgive. Lastly, number five, and we've talked about this in the past. The loudest thing about us is Jesus. The loudest thing, right? Because if my identity as a, a child of God supersedes all the categories, then the loudest thing about me has to be him, 
right? And I'm still going to talk about racism. I'm still going to talk about all these other issues and, and we've got to keep working them out. But Jesus is the answer to all of that, right? And so the loudest thing in my life has to be Jesus. And I wrote this on social media this past week. I think one of the things that better happen on the other side of all this is that people look back on this time and they say, you know, those Christians stood up for what was right and they stood up for what was good, but they also brought peace and healing. They were... They were bridge builders. They brought us together. And ultimately, they pointed me to the hope of Jesus. They told me about a savior. They told me about a rescuer that loved me enough to die in my place. And I think this is so important for you. And I understand today, don't trade your witness for your opinion. Don't ever trade your witness for your opinion. We do it all the time. We want to be right. It's easier to be right than repentant. But don't trade your witness for your opinion. You and I keep going forward and we say, okay, I'm supposed to have this greater identity. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus because he's the one who tells me who I am. And in that spot, I can walk in the identity of child of God. Don't trade your witness for your opinion. We've got to point people to Jesus. We can't lose them because they don't like our political party. We can't lose them because we don't agree on this or that. No, the loudest thing about us has to be Jesus. And that's always going to be broadcast in love. And I have to call some of us out. I don't think we've been broadcasting in love a lot. I think that there's been a lot of us coming out angry, coming out on social media, especially where you're hiding behind a screen. You can say whatever you want. And we're broadcasting hate. And people are going to remember that when we try to invite them to church in six months. Don't trade your witness for your opinion. Jesus is the answer to all this. He's the answer to racism and prejudice and all the violence and brokenness. The loudest thing about us has to be him. And we need things to change. We have several really kind black neighbors in our neighborhood. I bet you do too. And one of the families has kids and they're always outside and they're always uh, super friendly. They're like probably three, five, and six, I would guess. And these kids are adorable. And, and if my family's out on a walk or we're riding bikes, as soon as we round the corner and we see the family, these kids are running out to us. They are jumping up and down. They're laughing. They're asking us questions. They're amazing. A few weeks ago, I was out working on my yard and I had gone to the garage and I, I took this shovel out and, and this family was now going down my street. They're riding their bikes down my street. And, and so uh, one of the little boys said to his mom, wow, that guy looks strong. And I said, very perceptive, right? <laughs> very perceptive. Can I tell you something about this family? Look, I, I don't know exactly why. I, I, I can guess. But since George Floyd's murder, I haven't seen this family outside once. They, they lived outside. I couldn't walk down the street without seeing them, without interacting with them. And I don't know the story. I'm actually going to find out this week. I promise you that. I'm going to check on them. But, but here's the thought, maybe that, that they're broken, that they're scared, that they don't know how people in this neighborhood are going to react to them. I, I don't know. I need to find that out. You need to find that out. A few houses down from theirs, my wife was, was walking past another nice black family's house in our neighborhood. And, and as she was walking, the husband was in his car and he was slowly starting to drive away. And Kelly just noticed his, his head was down, his demeanor looked heavy. And so he kind of just gave a quick glance to Kelly, waved like this and put his head back down. And Kelly 
just said, I, I need to like make a big old wave here and a big smile here. And, and when she did, his, his countenance changed and he smiled back and his, his wave became big. And, and as she's walking down the street, tears began to streak down her face because she's just thinking, I don't know what he's feeling right now. I don't know what he's going through right now, but I'm broken for him and his family. And I asked my wife if I could share this story. She said, you can, but I feel a little funny because like a wave's not gonna change the world, right? Like there's so much more that has to be done. And I agree with her 100%, but it's a start, right? It's a recognition of hurt and pain in somebody. And although I can't have a big, long conversation because this person's driving down the road, I can sure give the biggest smile and wave I've ever given anybody in my life, right? It's those moments of recognition and understanding the world that we're living in today and that we're gonna be different because things have to change. I spoke to a black church member this week and had a great conversation and one of the things they said was, I just hope something actually changes this time. I just hope something changes this time. I don't know about you, I feel changed. I have a long way to go. I have a lot to learn, but I feel changed by this. I feel impacted by this. I feel like we need to be on a mission because of all this. I've spoken with police officers this week from our church who are broken over what happened to George Floyd, who have said things like, this has to stop happening. What's the answer? This new identity we've been given. The busting apart of our identity being given to us because of a category. No, there's a a higher calling. Something supersedes that. Your identity supersedes your category, right? The, The identity of God's child supersedes all the categories you've ever been placed in. And if we live like this, I believe we will find great healing and reconciliation because that's what Jesus did. He blew everybody's mind. He kept blowing everybody's mind. Oh, you're supposed to be over here believing with these people, right? You're lined up with them, right, Jesus? Nope, third option, third option. I'm going to live for the kingdom. I'm going to bring the kingdom. And as a child of God, you and I have got to bring that same kingdom because our only hope for healing and change is Jesus. We're going to do something we don't normally do. We're going we're to have a moment of silence in just a minute. Uh, brokenness in our nation. We're going to have a moment of silence for George Floyd and David Dorn and the others that have been lost. We're gonna have a moment of silence for just the the state of brokenness America is in right now. We're gonna have a moment of silence for the racism and the prejudice and the anger and the hate and the violence. And we're gonna mourn for a minute. We're gonna lament and we're gonna remember that though we've felt this for a couple weeks now, that our brothers and sisters have felt this for hundreds of years, right? And so we're gonna take a moment and be silent. But then we're going to pray. We're going to pray for healing for our land. We're going to pray that we'll actually be the children of God like we're supposed to be, right? We're going to pray that we will live in a new way, that there will be change. Church, we got to be at the front of that. We've got to be leading that charge. And I just need to forgive you. I mean, ask you to forgive me for not leading that charge well enough. Your identity supersedes your category. My identity supersedes every category I've ever been in my life. Every time I've ever looked at somebody else and thought, nope, not my category. Jesus busts all that apart. I think of Jesus coming to save his enemies. Think of the Samaritan serving his enemy. 
go and do likewise. We're just going to be quiet for a minute and then pray. So Lord, we come to you and we ask you for help, God. We ask you to help us in our brokenness, Lord. God, that we would allow this identity of your, your child, that you've called us yours, Lord, to be the loudest thing about us, God. Thank you, God, that I believe you're breaking our heart for what breaks yours right now, Lord, and you're calling us together and you're calling us to learn what it looks like to, to reach people and calling us, Lord, to lead with love calling us, God, to repent, to ask forgiveness, to extend forgiveness, and that there would be this newness to the the loudest thing about us being you, Lord. And God, we just ask you for your help. We need you so much, God. It's too big for us. But Jesus, we thank you that you've come to model this for us and you've come to give your life for us and then rise back from the dead to destroy everything that was out to kill. So God, we ask for your help. If you're a follower of Jesus, I just want to ask you to pray. Spend some time with Jesus right now. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to let you know he loves you. And I think I need to apologize for us as the church for the ways we've let you down and the ways we haven't been a better example. But I think that what you and I can relate to today is the idea that we've all been bitten by sin. We've been bitten by the sins of racism and prejudice and all other kinds of sin that separate us from God. And it says in the scripture that when we look up to Jesus lifted up, we find salvation. And he wants you to look up to him today. He wants you to look to him, the one who can heal and save and rescue. And so if you want to put your trust in him now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You can pray this with me. Jesus, thank you so much that you came to rescue me from my brokenness. Thank you that you came to forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I ask you, show me now how real you are and what it looks like to have my identity in you to be called child that all the other categories would sink beneath and that that one would supersede all in my life thank you Jesus for who you are and what you've done for me in your name